Okay, now is the time for the leader to share. So, oh, okay, no problem. So, I am Natalie, compulsive overeater. Here are my pictures, and um, first of all, it's a little intimidating to speak in front of so many people. I usually speak in front, like in like so 10 or 15 people in Santa Monica. But, um, but thank you, Julie, for asking me to speak. Um, so, I think a lot of you haven't heard my share. Um, I'm 41 years old now, and I came to OA when I was 15 years old. Um, my mom used to drive me to meetings. I didn't have my driver's license. And when I first came, I didn't understand the severity of the 12-step program because I just thought, you know, you just go to a meeting, you just get a sponsor, and you do kind of what you want. But, I mean, I don't want to say the severity of the 12-step, but the severity of the disease, I should say. Um, you know, when I started overeating when I was 12, when I moved to the United States, it started off a little bit. I ate a little bit at a time. And then ultimately I gained 76 pounds. Um, part of it was adolescence, but a big part of it was just eating a ton, a ton of sugar. Um, I'm a hard, hardcore sugar person. And, um, yeah, I didn't realize it until my, my sponsor challenged me and I thought, that's ridiculous. How can you be addicted to sugar? And this is before, you know, now it's very, like, obvious, but, you know, 20 years ago it was different. Um, it took me 10 years to get my current almost 15-plus years. I'm going to have 16 years, hopefully, next month, in the middle of the month, uh, January 15th. Um, and the reason it took me 10 years to get my current 15 years is because I'm very stubborn. So on one hand, being stubborn is a good thing. I mean, persistence. But then being stubborn, you know, I kept on trying it my way and trying it my way. And yes, I was 15 when I came and I was very young, but um, I'm just a very stubborn person. So it's like both ways. It's a good and a bad thing. Um, you know, I thought about what were my breaking points. Like why did I start becoming abstinent? And there were, well, there were a few of them, but two of them were really big ones. Um, when I was back in Israel in 2002, I fainted. Um, we went to the desert during the day, and then at night I fainted. I was in the. I went to the bathroom, and the next thing I knew, I was on the floor, and I broke my teeth, my front teeth. So um, then I realized, oh my God, I don't have control over my body because I ate so much sugar and white flour. My body was out of whack, and um, and I was really afraid to faint again. Um, I didn't faint since then, thank God it hasn't happened, but I'm pretty sure, and I did all the checks, and my doctor said everything's fine, but I'm pretty sure it's because my body was so out of whack, I'm really sensitive, so I have to eat well, drink water, you know, just like what you're supposed to be doing. So, um, so that was one thing that really, really scared me. Um, then the other thing was, I went to this weekend, which wasn't around away, but I realized that I'm never going to be these ages again, you know, 21, 22, 23, like my life is passing by and, you know, when people are dating and having fun, I mean, my teenage years, I was eating sugar, studying, and then watching a lot, a lot of TV. And then when I was in college, I was eating sugar, studying, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's funny because I was telling my boyfriend now that... Um, you can't have a relationship with a person when you have a relationship with sugar, you know. It's just not possible, you know, because when all you think about is, when I'm going to eat sugar, how much sugar am I going to eat, when's the next time I'm going to eat it, when can I get more sugar, there is no space for a person, you know. Um, 
So, so needless to say, I didn't date very much until um, in my 20s. Um, what changed, my sponsor asked me, what do I need to do differently? Because I couldn't get abstinence, I couldn't get 30 days. And the two things I realized I need to do differently were, um, first of all, get off uh, white flour, which I wasn't willing to do. I was in the other program and I thought only crazy people get off white flour and I'm not willing to do that because <coughs> I'm not that crazy. And, uh, but the bottom line is I couldn't get abstinent. I was eating sugar and, um, I mean, I wasn't eating sugar, but I was eating white flour. And I remember one time my dad asked me, and my dad's a very intelligent person, I asked, he asked me, what's the difference between sugar cookie and sugar-free cookie? And I thought, that is the stupidest question anybody can ever ask. I mean, I didn't tell him that, but that's what I thought. <laughs> and then I realized, you know, I'm using all these sugar substitutes or white flour. So anyways, ultimately, you know, the road really does get narrower. So, you know, it started with sugar, then white flour, then sugar-free stuff. I mean, now I drink sugar-free latte every once in forever. But um, I can't even chew gum because I'm, you know, it's one piece, two piece, the whole pack, two packs. I mean, it's just, you know, an obsession. Um, so that was one thing, getting off white flour. And then the other thing was calling three people every day. And that was very, very major for me because I didn't want to talk about when I'm in a good place, like right this very moment I'm in a good place. Uh, but like everybody else, we all have our ups and downs and I've had many ups and downs um, over the last 15 plus years, well, 25 years I've been in the program. And, um, and so, um, you know, calling three people every day was something I didn't want to do. I was very resistant to doing. In the beginning, I used to call my one friend every day. Before my sponsor, I have two sponsors now. Uh, before my one sponsor, who I've had for like 17 years, um, I used to call her, just the same person, four times a week, because I'm like, I'm not calling anybody new. I don't want to, I don't really want to <laughs> talk to anybody on the phone. So, you know, but now I see how important it is, and it's just so critical. Um, you know, just the last few years, the last few years, my dad has had um, a few health challenges, and um, if it wasn't for program, oh my gosh, I would have just gained like 50 pounds. I mean, it's just, you know, I'm very short and I gain weight really easily. So in that combination, bless you, um, it's just like, you know, really quick. Um, let's see, working through the steps, I've worked through the steps multiple times, probably seven, eight times by now. Um, I've gone through the big book workshops. And it's, it's just life-changing. When I first started, the first step was very, very hard to really take in because I took it as, you know, I'm stupid when that's not what the step says, but that's just, <laughs> I took it. And, you know, yes, I was 15, but, you know, I was very stubborn, like I said. So, um, but then when I realized that, just like I have brown hair, I'm 5'2", and I have green eyes, I don't think, oh, I'm a bad person for having brown hair. Oh, I'm a good person. Oh, you know, I'm, that's just that, who I am. And so once I accepted, this is just who I am. I'm a compulsive eater. I'm going to be a compulsive eater the rest of my life. I can resist it and fight it all I want, but it's only going to get worse. It's either I'm really absent or I'm really overeating. There's no, like, middle, you know, and like I said, I gain weight extremely quickly. Um... So, um, so that was step one. It took me years to really, really get step one in my, in my head. Didn't take that long, but in my heart, it took a long time because 
like I said, I thought he said this, you know, the step said you're stupid, which he doesn't say that. Um, step two and three, I was very, very resistant to. Um, I didn't believe in a higher power, and a lot of times I felt forced to go to temple with my parents, and um, I, I didn't, I wasn't spiritual at all. And um, it took a long time. I worked through the steps multiple times before I was like not spiritual to becoming more spiritual and praying even if I didn't believe in it. Um, I pray a lot in the car. Um, but that's something that I have to always work on um, in terms of my higher power because sometimes I feel like I'm praying to here. Sometimes I feel like there's no higher power. But I keep acting as if. And I think that's one of the biggest things in program I've learned is action. How I feel is how I feel. You know, I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but did I feel like getting up this morning? I mean, you know, if I start thinking about how I feel, then I'm never going to get out of bed. <laughs> so it's more like I have to take the action of what I committed to. So, um, you know, in the morning I get up, I do um, about 20 minutes of OA, whether it's reading or writing or do meditation. It took me a long time to get into the meditation every morning. Um, and then talk to my sponsors, talk to my sponsees, um, go to usually three meetings a week. I listen to a lot of podcasts actually from this meeting also. Um, and work through the steps, uh, make phone calls every day, all that stuff. And the reason I say all that is not because, oh, I want to be like a superstar in a way. It's because if I don't work the program rigorously every day, you know, sugar is always waiting there. And it's funny because the last two weeks were, <laughs> as everybody knows, sugar holidays. <laughs> and people just have more and more and more sugar. And I felt like, is trying to, somebody trying to sabotage me? <laughs> you know? But no, they're not trying to do it to me. This is just, you know, sugar time. And, um, you know, when I'm in a really good place, then sugar doesn't call my name. But, you know, the last couple of weeks, I would say a couple of times, was harder. And then, you know, I get to make phone calls and... Um, pray and you know I have my big book I have the small big book with me most of the time and that really helps a lot um, so for the most part sugar doesn't call my name but here and there it does and you know it used to call my name every single day from morning well breakfast was always good but 11 on was like non-stop and now here and there it calls my name but not that often um, the fourth step through the ninth step, I actually left away a long time ago because I thought, oh, I don't want to work mm -hmm. those steps. It's too much work and I don't want to work it. So anyways, I left program, which of course didn't help anything. And uh, I had a two-year relapse and it was extremely difficult to come back. So I do not suggest relapse for anybody. Uh, it's just a complete nightmare. And um, yeah, I mean... You know, I know people say, like, my worst day in program or in absence is better than the best day I had in, in uh, relapse, which is, like, so true. Um, let's see. So working through my resentments, I used to be a very, very angry person. I remember this one lady who's not in a way, but she saw me after I worked through the steps. I don't remember exactly how many times, maybe twice. She looked at me and she said, you're not angry anymore? And I was like, No. You know, because I had steam coming out of my ears all the time because this person and that person and this thing and that thing. And, you know, you can imagine how healthy it is to be angry all the time. And um, 
to be resentful. That's like a really good way to make friends, you know. <laughs> you know, every day, every day is like this, you know. So, um, so working through the steps multiple times, then I became less angry, and I was able to see my part more in things and not become a victim. I used to be a victim. They did this to me, this and that and the other. You know, the middle school kids who made fun of me when I moved here. Well, that was like a long time ago. <laughs> you know? I got over that because everybody gets made up in middle school and I didn't realize it until, you know, later. Um, and then, you know, the character defect. I didn't realize how my character defects really, really get in my way. Um, ego. I have to turn over my ego and pride and selfishness, self-centeredness. I remember um, my sponsor pointed out the selfishness, self-centeredness. I thought, no, I just am trying to take care of myself. But then it's like, what's my underlying motive for doing this, that, or the other? And um, so anyways, it's been, it's gotten a lot better. I can't say I'm completely not selfish or completely not this or not the other, but um, it's gotten a lot better. I used to be extremely selfish, extremely ego-driven, um, very controlling, and now it's gotten a lot better. Um, but I have to turn it over and pray because it does come up. It's not like... Um, Slowly, you know, become above my character defects. I wish it did. Hasn't happened that way. Um, my my um, making amends. I made amends to <coughs> everybody, including living amends. And you know, I had a whole list. I actually have still that paper from my sponsor from a long time ago, and she wrote that whole list on the paper. And it was intimidating in the beginning. I thought, oh my gosh, but I did it one at a time. It was just extremely healing because now whoever you know I'm going to run into, I don't have this like, oh my gosh, I'm going to run into X or whoever it is. Um, and it's just a free feeling, like I can go around um, and feel comfortable in my own skin. You know, not always, but a lot more than used to. Uh, step 10 I do every night, or sometimes during the day or right after work, I do an AEIOU. Um, and... That just helps me be current, but when I'm resentful, like uh, a couple of days ago, oh yeah, something happened a couple of days ago, it's like I write about it right then. I don't wait until the evening to write, oh, I'm resentful of this, that, and the other, because um, that's too many hours to wait. <laughs> so I write it right then. I always have a journal, little journal, $2, Target, in my purse, <laughs> and um, I do for, for the 10th step, and um, you know, so yeah, uh, 11th step was one of also the, one of the harder steps for me because I didn't grow up praying and meditating. You know, it's funny because I come from Israel. Anyways, I, I heard of meditation when I was there and when I moved here, I thought only like monks meditate. I didn't realize like regular people meditate. So I thought, oh, this doesn't apply, you know, next. So <laughs> I just went on the next step and then um, it's, it's funny. The way anyways higher power made it is that uh, we ultimately had a meditation teacher at my work and I thought oh my god and I had to put this event on and I thought oh my god what a bunch of BS and I have to be here <laughs> anyways long story short was just a very powerful thing and I realized it's, um, it's meditation is not what I thought it was um, and it's not you have to be um, you know the Buddha to, to meditate so, um, so I actually meditate on a regular basis and it helps me a lot because like a lot of people you know anxiety and fear and all that helps a lot um, and it's helped me a lot with different things over the last few years the last let's see the last <coughs> 15 years of being absent um, 
I was in a long-term relationship 12 years ago, then broke it off, and then within three months of that, um, left a, a work situation and changed careers. That was a big thing. My sister moved to Israel four and a half years ago with my four nephews, and I have five nephews. Um, so that was really hard. I felt like someone like literally took my heart and just tore it apart. Um, it was extremely painful. Um, now it's gotten better. You know, I, I um, thank God we have all the technology we have. But uh, they actually live not that far from here. Uh, let's see. My dad had all these health challenges the last two years. He almost died multiple times. Um, and... Oh, and then at the same time, I met somebody really wonderful uh, seven months ago, so I have a great boyfriend now. Um, so all these things happening at the same time, and things at work are going better. So all these things happen at the same time. It's like challenging things and then, you know, better things. Um, uh, let's see. So the 11th step is something that I... Uh, the meditation part has gotten a lot easier. The prayer I have to remember because sometimes I just forget or I feel like I'm talking to air, like I said, but... Uh, my two sponsors really helped me keep me on track. The reason I have two sponsors, in case you're wondering, is because my uh, one sponsor had 17 years. Um, thankfully, she's still alive, but uh, it's probably five and a half or six years ago. She got diagnosed with breast cancer, stage four, and I didn't think she was going to make it that year. Uh, she did. She's still alive, and um, she's not in the best shape, but she's still here. Actually, I'm gonna supposed to see her on Thursday, and she's really actually taught me a lot about um, living in recovery. Because I don't know if I'd be as uh, living in such grace, having you know a deadly disease that will kill her, and she will die before you know whatever her supposed time is. So um, she's really taught me a lot. So now I got another sponsor for two years, and that's been really great because. Um, at the end of the day, I have to have a sponsor. I've been in program a long time, but you know, when I start talking to myself about, oh, this food and this and that, it just becomes like a whole rationalization and it's bad news. So, um, so even when I'm in the country, out of the country, I went to Israel last December for vacation. Um, I went out of town with my boyfriend, with my family. Um, I text, I email my food to my sponsor every single day because... I, um, or most, 99%, let's put it that way. Um, because my head is always rationalizing. Well, and this is a long flight, and this and that and the other, and you know. So <laughs> there's always a rationalization. Uh, so yeah, I email her every single day, and that helps a ton. Like I said, even when I was in Israel, when I was flying, when I was in between um, countries, I was texting and messaging, emailing her. Um, and keeping up with the OA people, listening to a lot of podcasts, um, keeping up with OA people. I mean, you know, it's funny because when I was in Israel in December, the whole trip was pretty easy. But then the last day, and I love my nephews, but and they're all boys and they're all little and they just can eat like no tomorrow and not gain a pound. <laughs> oh, is that five minutes? Okay. Um, but the last day, they... Uh, my sister didn't buy them sugar for like two weeks, I don't know, for whatever reason. So they decided to eat all their sugar on the last day I was there. <laughs> and this is like all my favorite food I grew up with. And they're just eating it, and I'm like, oh my gosh. You know, and like I said, they don't gain a pound. They're just 
little machines, you know. So um, I had to really, really pray. It was hard. I mean, it was really hard. I'm not going to lie. I went back to my room multiple times and prayed and read. And, um, you know, and the difference between normal people and me is normal food eaters like uh, my sister or my brother-in-law, they just eat like, let's say they'll eat more sugar that day and then, okay, next day, regular life. Uh, I had a two-year relapse and it was extremely, extremely difficult to get back to programs. So, um, and you know, it's funny, my sponsor said, well, one day out of ten days that was hard, that's really good. And I thought, you know, like, you know you're right. It is really good because the rest of the time, it wasn't really challenging. Um, you know, yeah, it wasn't really challenging. It went really well. Um, and I was able to be present and have a good time with them. Um, let's see. So the 11th step, I talked about that. Then 12, step 12, um, being of service and having a spiritual experience. You know, I thought, oh, there's going to be some spiritual experience. But I think for me, realizing over time I have, and this is not a perfect thing, but I have more serenity in my life. Um, it used to be when I was not absent that every day was unmanageable and every day felt like a mini crisis of some sort about something. And now when we did have like real crises with my dad the last two years, um, it was hard and I reached out to a lot of people. Um, and just so you know, hospital foods have like a lot of sugar in their cafeteria. <laughs> I don't know how they're hospitals, but whatever. Anyway, it's very unhealthy. <laughs> Um, and it was tempting but I really worked my program just like you know usual um, and got through it one day at a time it wasn't always easy I wish I could say oh it was all perfect and all that no it wasn't all perfect but uh, I think the bottom line is life a lot of ups and downs and ups and downs and just you know my parents just came back from Israel thankfully everything went okay with my dad and um and the flight and everything. So, um, so as of right now, you know things are going pretty well. Um, but it's you know life one day at a time. Um, let's see. I probably have like two more minutes. Uh, okay. So some of the promises, and then I think there's 20 minutes for questions. Some of the promises are my relationships with people are a lot better. Uh, one of the things I work on the most is accepting life and life's terms and people as they are. Sometimes I'm more in acceptance, sometimes I'm less, but overall, my relationship with my parents, with my two sisters, uh, with my nephews, well, they, met, they never met me before. Um, I was an abstinent. Um, you know, having a great boyfriend, which uh, I had relationships before, but I think being clear about who I am and what I'm looking for has really helped and even being open to dating I wasn't open to dating that's the other thing that was a whole thing of itself because I was like oh I don't want to you know I don't want to date because it's just um, too much work so um, so I worked um, I worked on it for like probably a year and a half and went on these different dates and this and that and the other and um, that was a whole ups and downs I really didn't like dating <laughs> but I don't know how else you can meet somebody if you don't date, but maybe you're lucky. Um, you know, so um, let's see. My relationships at work are a lot better. They're not perfect. It's funny because a couple of weeks ago I had a challenging situation with a coworker, and you know, one of the things I've learned in program is to really keep on my side of the street. You know, not just react when somebody's having a bad day or whatever. And it was hard. 
it was hard just keeping on my side of the street because it's much easier to react to other people. <laughs> But with a lot of, you know, working the steps, doing meditation, um, I don't want to say I never react to people, but it's gotten a lot better and um, and I can see my side of the street and I can do a 10 step and talk to my sponsor and all of that a lot quicker. Um, let's see what else. Well, doing all these four steps, the best way to have a clean place is to do a lot of four steps. So now my place is totally clean because You know, when I have garbage in my head, I have garbage in my, in my apartment. So um, after doing so many four steps, I don't have this stuff piled up. Um, so I'll, I'll open it up for questions, I think. Okay, let's see. This is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leaders are my own and not those of all leaders and armies as a whole. asking questions you need not identify yourself uh, it's being recorded please remember if you ask a question your voice may be audible on the OE podcast uh, if being recorded please restate the question okay thank you oh. so um, um, so I take an inventory every night but I still have a lot of clutter in my house <laughs> and, and I also live with other people and so the concept of you have to focusing just on your own stuff that's that happens to me too but describe your decluttering process of your household stuff. oh okay okay describe okay so for the podcast describe my decluttering um, process for my household uh, well doing remodeling twice helped um But really doing the four steps, because every time I did a four step, well, I had so much anxiety doing it that I started becoming a real neat freak. <laughs> so, you know, I have to do it with, you know, I'm making a moment with my sponsor to do it in my fifth step at a certain time, but um, I don't know, it's hard to explain. Doing the four step, you know, it just made me want to be living in a cleaner place, and then I, I did do remodeling twice. Um... But I think just wanting to have like peace of mind in my head and peace of mind in my apartment because you know at work things go at work as, and it's work, but you know my place is my place and just to have that meditation area and other places I don't know it's just it's hard to explain, but doing meditation and doing the steps really help right, thank you share can you talk about um, you said you started out not believing in a higher power and then you eventually do. Can you talk about that period of the transition from, from, from one state to the next? Yeah. Um, so the question is, can I talk about um, from not believing to believing? Um, so yeah, I came in not believing at all. Um, I remember my parents used to take us to, I grew up in Israel back then, there were mostly Orthodox synagogues, and um, Uh, how did I believe? Well, the funny thing is I belie- started believing through my sponsor. My sponsor is, um, she actually goes to different churches, but um, she would just, she would believe, so she made me kind of move over towards believing. And um, she would say, well, just because you don't feel like there's a higher power doesn't mean there is. Why don't you just try and pray? And all I know is that when I pray, um, something happens. There's a shift. You know, even, even the simple prayer, 
I don't know, I think somebody said it in way. I didn't make this up. You know, to be willing, to be willing, to be willing. I mean, sometimes I have a hard time, like, doing whatever it is. And so just just praying that over and over. And then the different prayers that we have, the third step prayer, seventh step, um, you know, surrendered prayer. Um, but work through the steps really helped me believe. I mean, I'm, I would say my one sponsor is much closer to a higher power than I am. That's something I'm still working on. But... Um, <coughs> Working closely with sponsors, and then acting as if, praying, and then uh, connecting with sponsees and just working the program helps a lot. What do you do specifically when you do the 10th step <coughs> at night? Okay, so the 10th step, the question is what do I do with the 10th step? So the 10th step, I do A-E-I-O-U, which is A, I write my absence, what I'm going to eat the next day, um, exercise that I exercise today. I, did I do anything for myself? Oh, did I do anything for other people? Uh, you, my underlying feelings. Um, why, which is like, you'd be, you know, the best thing to happen today. Uh, gratitude, I write a, a number of gratitudes. My, my one sponsor asked me to write more gratitudes. I'm making a point, write more gratitudes now. Um, and then the last thing is um, what I'm uncomfortable about. So that's, that's what I do. Thank you. Um, how do you sponsor and how do you deal with uh, challenges that come up with sponsoring? Okay, how do I sponsor and how do I deal with challenges that come up with sponsoring? Uh, I've sponsored a lot of people and I've had a lot of challenges. <laughs> um, you know, and it's funny, some of the most challenging sponsees um, have been the most rewarding. Um, but it's definitely not been like an easy, smooth road. Um, let's see. How do I sponsor? Well, I used to sponsor through the workbook, but now that I've done the big book workshop so many times, I do through the big book, so read five pages and then write about it. Um, and then also from the 12 and 12, 12 and 12, AA and OA. But dealing with challenging sponsees, well, I can think of... <coughs> Two of them off the top of my hand that were pretty recent. <laughs> I won't mention names. Um, let's see. You know, my one sponsor, I would say, like, you know, this person is really difficult. They're just telling me the same thing every day. They're not willing. I don't even see the point of talking to them every day. They're just, it's like talking to the wall. And she'd be like, well, I just want to remind you that you were very difficult to work with. In the <laughs> You and I heard you say the same things many times. So I'm just letting you know that, you know, you're not a piece of cake either. So um, you can let go of this fancy, but I'm still sponsoring you and I'm still there for you. So why don't you think about how you can work with this particular person? Um, and it's funny because one of them stopped calling me as often now and I actually miss them even though... Like I said, they were extremely challenging. <laughs> um, and then with two of them, I have like, differences of opinion about abstinence. And I thought, are we going to continue working together? Or are we not going to continue? And we had a difference of opinion, and <coughs> we moved on. They're still, we're still working together. Um, praying a lot, talking to my sponsors about it. But um, some people, you know, it's very easy to connect. Like I can think of one sponsee where we like clicked immediately and it's very easy. And, but I think one of the things my sponsor told me was 
You know, it's just like in life. You don't always choose who you're going to work with and who some of your family members are. They're not always, by the way. So, um, you know, so like working with a sponsee. But yeah, I've definitely had some challenging situations. And in my mind, I fired some of them multiple times. <laughs> but I haven't fired them verbally, but in my mind. <laughs> Thanks, Abby. Could you talk about your uh, putting down the sugar and the flour and if you found yourself picking up other foods to replace those and also um, your weight loss journey related to that and your relationship with the scale? Okay. So that's a lot of things. So if I forget something, then, then ask me. Then just, just remind me. I forget. <laughs> so the question were about um, my journey with sugar and white flour and then the scale. There was something else. It's fine. Okay. Um, so I was very, very resistant to giving up sugar. Uh, when I started working the program rigorously, I was in college. I was in Berkeley. And my sponsor was like, Natalie, I think you might want to look at sugar. And I was like, why? There's no reason to. I don't have a problem with sugar. And she was like, okay, like I said, I just want you to look at it. We don't have to make any decisions. I'm like, well, I'm just letting you know. So, um, so it was like six months, and I realized, oh my gosh, I'm eating sugar out of control, and she's right. But to be honest with myself, it took a long time, because like I said, I'm stubborn. Uh, white flour was the same story. Um, and the funny thing is that giving up white flour, I mean, we live in an era where there's whole wheat substitutes for everything. I mean, it's, you know, so, but I think just to be willing well I couldn't get abstinence so that's why I was willing because life is very hard not being abstinent and the thing is that life still continues life challenges still continue but when you're not abstinent it's even three times as hard you know and so um, and then my weight loss journey I've lost about 36 pounds originally I was actually thinner and then I gained a few pounds um, and I think this is like the weight that I feel comfortable in. Um, I don't, I used to weigh myself every month. To be honest, I don't weigh myself, but if my clothes fit, then I know I'm the same weight and I can feel, like I said, I gain weight really easily. So um, I can feel like in two minutes, I mean, not two minutes, but like three days uh, if I gain weight because my clothes are tight and they don't fit and all my clothes are pretty much like the same kind of size but the scale you know I've thought about paying myself and I used to but the thing is I'm never happy about what it says that's the problem you know so even if it says I'm 120 pounds no I'm not happy about it it's you know whatever it says I think what I've come to realize is I'm just too attached to this number whatever this number is so as long as I'm you know fitting in my clothes then it's fine and um and you know, it's funny, I'll just say uh, one thing. Um, it's all our perception. My boyfriend's a very thin guy. And, you know, I always thought everybody just wants really thin, stick people because thin people, that's, you know, and it's all in our mind, you know, of how we perceive other people. Because, you know, anyway, so it's. It's not um, my perception, in, you know, the media, anyways, of all that, of, you know, you should be this way. That's just a perception because, in, you know, in his mind, it's like, you know, 
I don't want a really thin person. You know, I want somebody who has little curves. So anyway, so everybody, you know, what I realize is it's all in, in our head of how we see things. Thank you. Could you talk about the role, if any, that exercise plays in your recovery? Yes, I didn't talk about that. Thank you. The role exercise plays in my recovery. So, um, my one really good friend suggested I exercise. This was quite a few years ago. And I was like, I don't want to exercise. And she was like, well, I think it would be helpful for you. I'm like, well, I don't want to. (laughs) So, she's like, well, I'm a nurse. And I'm suggesting to you to exercise. And I said, okay. So I wasn't very happy about her suggestion, but <laughs> I started walking. And now I walk. It took me a while to be really willing to, you know, implement all, you know, her suggestion. And she's a really, she's one of my best friends. Um, and I really love her a lot, but, you know, I'm stubborn. Like I said. So, um, so now I walk like three times a week on campus um, at lunchtime. I do yoga. Um, it's actually great at my work we do these fit breaks like mid-morning and mid-afternoon we do stretch breaks and that's helped a lot Um, and let's see do I do anything else I think that's pretty much it I do sit-ups every morning Um, okay five minutes okay that's that's pretty much it but I make sure to walk at least two or three times a week because otherwise I don't feel good physically um, if you meet someone who is new to the program and they're really in, they're really in, they're really in, they're really in, they're really in disease, what do you, what do you tell them when they're texting? Um, uh, what do I tell them? You mean as a sponsor, sponsee, or just no, as a phone no. Oh, okay. Um, so the question is, what do you tell someone who's really struggling? Um, I don't have the magic words. Usually, I say keep coming to meetings um, if you can get a sponsor. And I would share about my, my story where I struggled for a long time. You know, some people, like one of my sponsors, got absent right away, and that's really great. But some people don't. Like, I took me 10 years to get, you know, where I am now. So, so just to keep coming back, and um, that would be my number one thing to keep coming back. I remember, well, Back when I was 15, it was these older ladies, and now I'm like <laughs> that age. But they used to say, keep coming back. The common promises will come true. And I was like, I don't know. But uh, they do. They just don't all come true, you know, one, two, three, four, five. You know, they just come slowly, and it goes in ups and downs. It's not their all, you know. But over time, I can see, like, all the promises have come true. And so, but I would tell them about my, my struggle and where I came from, and it didn't take just two minutes. I think we have time for one more share. I mean, one more question. Um, not, <clears throat> not many people have two sponsors at the same time. How are there any times that you notice that you heard different things uh, from the different sponsors, and how do you negotiate that? That's a good question. So the question is, not many people have two sponsors and have they ever like contradicted themselves, basically. So my one sponsor that I've been with for 17 years, I don't talk to her as often. And when I do talk to her, it's, like I said, she's physically sick. So um, we don't talk very much. And when we do, it's very short. Um, 
No, they don't really contradict each other. The other one I talk every morning, which really helps a lot. Um, no, they don't really. I mean, these two people, I don't, I don't think they even know each other. But no, they don't contradict each other. Um, I think for me it's just comforting to know that when one person will pass, which I thought was five years ago, but anyways, I'm not God, so, you know, thankfully she's still alive. Um, you know, then I'll have the other sponsors. But no, I don't think they've contradicted each other. That I can remember, please. Yeah. So your older sponsor that you had for 17 years, when she got sick, was it difficult for you to find another one that you had trusted as much? What was that process like? Um, so the question is, the one that I've had 17 years, uh, was it a process to find somebody else? Yeah, it was. Well, first of all, I mean, I didn't mention this, but I was really resentful at God for about a year. I was really, really angry. Um, I had a feeling something was wrong because she would tell me her back was hurting, but she got back surgery, and then that didn't help. And she, she works in hospitals. She has worked in hospitals many, many years, and she's, an, you know, she's in the medical field. So I knew something was wrong, and when she told me, I was just, um, I was really angry at God for about a year. Um, and then it took me another, I think, two years to be willing to look for somebody else, because I'm like, I'm not switching sponsors. I have this sponsor, and then my one friend would say, well, Natalie, she's going to die. And she's going to die probably sooner than later, and you need to get somebody. And I was so scared because I've been with her for so many years, and she kind of helped me grow up, you know. Um, so it took me a long time. I asked multiple women. Um, at first I was like, I have to have a woman who has more years than I do. And then I realized it doesn't really matter the years. It matters more the absence. Um, but I asked probably maybe two or three women before I, I got my current sponsor. Um, but yeah, it was hard. I was very resentful. I used to share at meetings all the time how resentful I am and how can, you know, you know, I don't want to end on this negative note, but how can it be? And I think what she says is, you know, it's just life on life's terms. And she has lived a long time. She's 71 at this point. Maybe she's 72. Maybe she's 70. Anyways. <laughs> she's in her 70s. I think she's 71 now. But, um, you know, but she's really taught me a lot of grace, um, yeah, throughout working a program. So, anyways, thank you so much.